Our society and in culture, no matter where you're from, what your race is, your background, your economic status, your social status, doesn't matter who you are, we all have the same need. We have a sin problem. We have a need of Christ. And so when we realize that we all have the same need, then oftentimes and should allow us to forget about what separates us and to pull together for that common need. In this particular, unfortunately, we put all the emphasis on what separates us, on what's different about us. But really, at the end of the day, we're all lost without Christ. We're all in need of him. It's the human condition, not the racial condition, not the social condition, not the economic condition, the human condition. We all need Christ. So somehow these 10 people who were different and who were in conflict, no doubt, had the same need. They had a disease. And in realizing their need, being desperate to be healed, being desperate to find a solution to their problem, all got on the same page somehow, listened to this Jesus who they had cried out for mercy for, and who saw them and showed them mercy, all got on the same page and started walking toward the priest. All with leprosy, all knowing that they weren't supposed to go anywhere near him. Oddly enough, as they all made their way toward the priest, they were healed. Think about this for a second. We, we said this last week. I don't want to be redundant for those who are here, but this is important to bring back into view. You imagine walking or perhaps running toward the priest as a leper, someone who's Hands were turned inward and someone who has basic skin falling off, ears turned inward, eyes sunken, almost looking like a skeleton. Sores everywhere. No doubt some of them probably couldn't walk well and their gait was staggered. And Can you imagine these people moving kind of like the walking dead toward the priest? And while they're moving toward the priest, they are healed? Think about this scene for a second. A gnarly man you know, who, who has the, they, they called it the claw hand because literally the bones would deteriorate in someone's hand and the skin would fall off. And, and, and if you Google this, like I said last week, if you are, if you have a weak stomach, don't. But if you'd like to do that and you're into that thing, like me, um, it's weird. It's like you have to be visual. And when you're visual, you see the impact of it. This man with gnarled hands and can't quite walk and is only outcast of society and can't be with his family, can't touch anybody, can't hang out with his friends, can't work, is on his way to the priest because the master, the savior has said, go. Didn't even have to touch him. And on the way, his hands become new again. He can walk again. Not only become new, but his hands are like a baby's hands. The skin is new and refined. And he can walk and he realizes the impact of his own healing. And here's where the story gets complicated. These 10 men are walking. They realize they're healed. And only one returns to thank Jesus. So we left off last week with this scene. 10 men walking. Ten men healed. Bible says 
one of them, when he saw that he was healed, ah, 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 crack the back, stretch, do high knees. I'm healed. One of them came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Not praise Jesus, realizing in the moment that he had been healed by God in front of him. But only one guy. There were ten. Why is that? Verse 16 says that not only did he return, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Watch this. Thanking him, imagine that, for what he had done. This man, don't miss the implication here, was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus' followers, close followers, right? Included in that were Jews. The Samaritan man, the only one out of 10 guys, returns back. Not only does he return back, he opens his mouth and thanks him for what he's done. And he thanks a Jew for healing him. Someone he's not even supposed to talk to. Someone he's not supposed to go near. Someone he is not supposed to interact with. Certainly not supposed to thank him for something. But he had already realized he was God, realized he was different, realized that's who had healed him. And so when we realize the main thing, all that other stuff seems to kind of fall away. And he not only thanks him, he says, and makes a point, Luke says, that he was a Samaritan. Verse 17 says, then Jesus asks him, wait a minute, didn't I heal ten men? Ask him another question, where are the other nine? Ask him another question. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Jesus asked three questions. Didn't I heal the ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? Three questions, not necessarily rhetorical. In fact, I I, I think from the from the way in which these sentences and these questions are structured, and especially as you read them in the original language, where the English, when we translate into English, we add words so that we can understand it in our own language. When you see the way it's structured, when you see the way the sentences are put together and the questions are put out there, these questions weren't necessarily rhetorical. Jesus was asking the man questions that he wanted answers to. He wanted him to tell him, wait a minute. There were 10 guys standing on the outside of society, hurting, dying, outcast, marginalized, and they're healed now. What happened? Where are they? And then he says, has no one else returned except this foreigner? I'm going to say something that I believe was true in the tense of Christ's questions and in the implication here. Jesus was disappointed. So he's asking these questions. 
Maybe in a rhetorical sense, maybe not. I think he wanted the man to say. But in asking him questions that the man could not in and of himself answer, he was the one who returned. Jesus was asking these questions because in the moment, he was disappointed. And although he was God and he was sovereign and he knew he was in his humanity, he was a bit sad and crushed and disappointed that nine people out of ten were not thankful. You know what? Ingratitude, unthankfulness, the spirit of an ingrate, the spirit of thanklessness is disappointing, isn't it? You ever felt disappointed by thanklessness? You ever felt disappointed by ungratefulness? You ever felt disappointed by ingratitude? I don't think there's a person in this room that could answer to the negative. I'm sure everybody in the room would say yes. Here, here, let's turn it on ourselves for a second. Have you ever been disappointed in yourself? Yeah, so have I. This thing lives in us. We are naturally bent toward ourselves. We love ourselves. We are naturally bent toward ingratitude, toward thanklessness, toward entitlement, toward something that is owed to us. The spirit of God that lives in us is the counter to all that. It, it, it helps us. It makes us grateful and, and thankful. And those who say they have a faith, and if it is to be believed at all, it is a faith in Christ that should make us thankful and grateful people because ingratitude and thanklessness is disappointing. And we've all been disappointed in ourselves and we've been disappointed in life. It's disappointing when you do something for someone over and over and over again. You try to help, try to meet needs, try to do things, and they never thank anyone. Sometimes it's multiple people that have tried to help this person and speak into this person and, and, and love this person, and, and no one gets thanks. In fact, sometimes they get blamed for the continuation of the problem. It is disappointing when you see someone who has so much be so ungrateful. It it is disappointing when we fail to see what we do have and what we have been given and what we have been blessed with and our rhetoric and our talk and our lives express that we have nothing. It is disappointing when we hurt each other in that way. It's disappointing when we give people the impression that we're ungrateful when really we're not, but we just fail to say thanks. We fail to show gratitude, and so we're left with the belief that we are. It's disappointing. Jesus was disappointed. There was 10 guys over there. One guy came back to say thanks, And not only was it just one guy, it was a Samaritan. Even his own countrymen that would have had nationalistic loyalty to him couldn't even find it in their hearts. After they, after they got their, after they got it back, man, oh, oh, I'm healed. Couldn't even find it within themselves to be thankful. Oh, so crushing. So disappointing. As I applied this to myself this week, boy, that's a tough thing to do. That's a tough thing to 
to shine a light on yourself and ask God to kind of turn it inward. And, and man, when you start thinking about the times in your life where you were the other nine, and the times in your life where you struggled with that, not, not just to God, but, but to other people, we realize some things. And, th- and this is what I realized, not only about myself, but about this idea in general and about thankfulness. Verse 16 says, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. So that tells us that in that day, in that posture, um, that, that it is easy for us to be prideful. It is easy for us to walk away. It's easy for us to, to, to injure and hurt. It's easy for us to not want to do that. It's easy for us to get into this mindset and into this frame set to where we're owed something. It's hard to be humble. And, and humility is what allows us to change. Humility is what allows us to find in our hearts this thankfulness that, that we have. And so in this posture that this man has, he was humble. He fell down on the ground at Jesus' feet. He fell down on the ground in a posture of humility, especially in front of a, a man who by nationality was Jewish. So a thankful person is humble. What's interesting is that when we don't want to be thankful, we, we tend to reject humility. We tend to reject all the, the ways in which God is humbling us. We, we tend to reject all the ways in which he wants to help us change and grow. But a thankful person who realizes what has been done for them and realizes in their heart who has done it, that thanksgiving brings us to a point to where we're humble and to our knees to where we can change and where we can grow. This man not only comes back to Christ, not only runs back to thank him, he runs back in humility and falls down on his face and on his knees. He doesn't walk away like the other nine. He doesn't come with pride. He doesn't come with entitlement. He comes with thanksgiving and humility. Verse 16 also says that out of his humility, he thanks Jesus. So he thanked him for what he had done. A thankful person doesn't assume people know they are. So if we're humble and we don't walk away and don't feel entitled and don't assume and God does that in our life and in our heart and and we come with this posture of thanksgiving and humility, then that will propel us to open our mouths and say thanks without assuming that the people in our lives or God himself knows that we are. God knows our heart. He knows the content of our heart, but yet he desires this relationship with us and he desires for us to talk to him and have a relationship and intimacy with him. And so we see all throughout the scriptures, people that greatly served God thanking him. Read, read the Psalms, read other areas. Look at Paul's writings in the New Testament. He always says, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with praise, with praise, with worship. Open your mouth and tell someone thanks. Don't assume that they know you are. But humility allows us to be able to open our mouths and say thanks. Pride keeps it closed. 
entitlement keeps it closed. So this man, in a very practical way and in humility, runs back to the Savior, the one who healed him, changed him, saved him, falls down in humility, and then because he was humble and thankful, he opened his mouth and said it. You know, there, there's all these cliches wrapped around this, right? That uh, The word that we so often don't use is thanks. And I'm sure there's a hundred memes out there and, and there's all these videos and, and published stories that we can share on social media and whatever that'll make us feel good. And, and, and they'll be in plethora this week. They'll be all over the place about being thankful and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And that's great. So, so if you feel lit up, and inspired to share that, then do it. But, but here's what I pray we would do in, instead of getting all warm and fuzzy in this moment and, and doing it when it's expected, is, is that we would realize with thankful hearts that, that it is okay and it is good and it is helpful and it is beautiful and powerful when we actually say it. And guys, look at this. When we fail to say it and when we constantly assume, people are left to believe we're ungrateful. Because it never comes out of our mouths. And yes, it is hard to say. I don't know why. But there was only one guy that came back. So it must have been hard. Their whole life was given back to them. Their life and their future. Everything. And it was just so difficult to not only approach couldn't even open from a distance. You know, I was thinking this week, it would have been really cool, I don't know if this happened, that if the Luke, or the writer of Luke, would have thrown something in there like some of the other nine guys were like, Jesus, catch you on the backside, man. Thanks so much for the new hand. Thanks for the new body and the new life. Hey, I'll get to you soon. Don't worry about it. Hey, we'll get together. We'll grab lunch. I'll send you a text. I got you. You the man. We don't even see any indication in the scriptures that the other nine threw him a bone. One guy came back in humility, came back with a thankful heart, and opened his mouth and said thanks. Verse 15, or 16, and, and I would say to us, maybe that's something practical we can do today. I, I'm not Tony Robbins, and I'm not here to, you know, to do an infomercial or, or to be a motivational speaker. Maybe perhaps the one thing we can incorporate into our lives is a communication and an expression of thanks, not only with our actions and assuming somebody thinks we are or knows we are, but actually saying it. Maybe there's somebody in our life that needs to hear that. Maybe there's somebody in their own home that needs to hear that. Maybe it's somebody in here that needs to hear that. And, and let me caution further. If somebody's trying to help you and, and you want to back off, then back off. That's fine. But, but please let them know that. Don't abuse and embarrass them. And maybe somewhere along the way, thank them. Hey, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore right now. I need some space, but you know what? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for trying. 
I know that you want to help. Thank you for caring. Maybe it's the only takeaway today. I don't know. Verse 16, it says, this man was a Samaritan. So what does that mean? A thankful person is not afraid. Not afraid of the implication of socially and not afraid of what it might look like and and not afraid that, that Jesus may reject him as a person because he was a Samaritan. I think he probably had a good idea that he wouldn't given the fact that he just healed him. But he didn't know. This was deep-seated, it was real, it was strong, and it was historical in the way these people hated each other. But in the moment, because he had a thankful heart, and he was a thankful person, and he was humble, and he had already opened his mouth, he was unafraid because he was Samaritan and Jesus was a Jew. So when we're thankful, we're not afraid of how we're going to be seen. How we're going to be viewed. I think sometimes we think if we say thanks or we express gratitude to God or that he wants us, he's going to want us to do something. Or, or if we say thanks to somebody else that we have lost control or lost power and he's given it to somebody else and said, oh, thank you. Well, well for what? For this and that and that. Oh, well, oh, that's hard to say because now you kind of have control because I thanked you for something. And we're so afraid of losing the control in relationships and in marriages and and in society, and among friends, that, that we're super afraid of what it may look like. Maybe we have gratitude and thankfulness as people. Maybe we're just afraid of saying it, period. Maybe those words cannot be formed in our mouths. You get it. Maybe, I don't know. I tried to search my own heart this week. I tried to find out what is so hard about it. But I think it has to do a lot with humility. Has to do a lot with fear. It has a lot to do with control. When you're thankful, you're humble. And oftentimes we equate humility with weakness. In fact, humility is the greatest of strengths. In fact, humility is the posture of Christ. And guess what? He was powerful. Not only in this story, but for all time. So maybe this humility leads us to an expression of thankfulness in our lives. And this expression of thankfulness shows people that we're not afraid. And then as we live as people who are humble and thankful and not afraid, we do other things as well, like in verse 17 where he says, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? When we live in this way, we give credit to the right source. Notice Jesus says, is he the only one that returned to give praise to God? He didn't say, he didn't even say, is he the only one who returned to thank me? Is he the only one who came to give me my due and my props for what I just did? I mean, did y'all see that? No, he makes a specific reference to say, why is he the only one that came to give glory to God 
why is he the only one who cares and is humble enough and thankful enough to give credit to the right source for his healing? A thankful person does that. A thankful person realizes where the goodness, the blessings, the life, just the life that he has or she has comes from. And when we can get outside of ourselves for a minute and we can express some thankfulness and humility for just a second, then we realize that the source of where that comes from deserves the credit for it to start with. And that source is God. He gave us life. He gave us the ability through the power of his spirit to be able to do this. And what I realized this week in my own life is that because of my pride and sometimes because of my entitlement, yes, even my entitlement to Christ and him saving me. I, I know that sounds crazy as a pastor standing here saying that in front of you, but it's true of my heart. I'm, I'm a human being who, who is... Who needs, who needs Jesus all the time, who needs the Holy Spirit to help turn me back toward the truth, that I owe Christ my life, that I am thankful to him for saving me, and that there are times in my walk with God and in my thoughts and in my behavior and in my actions where I am ungrateful for the fact that he saved me and that he gave me this life and that he changed me. I didn't deserve it, but he did it. And so he is the proper source in which I give credit to for that. And in fact, that is what holds my faith together. Romans 1.21 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. Or why, and watch this. Or even give him thanks. So ingratitude and thanklessness and pride and the nine other men walking away, it was really a measure of belief. They knew God. I mean, I think they knew what had just happened to them. I think they knew that it came from a source that they couldn't have manufactured in and of themselves. If, if it could have, they probably would have been healed by then. So they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. And, and when we know God, but we won't, we fail to worship and fail to recognize the proper source when we can't even say thank you. This is impossible. We can't even give, a, give him thanks. We can't even say thanks to somebody else. It's a matter of belief, of faith, and of understanding the proper source. I was thinking about this from a human level. You know, we know the people in our lives that we should be grateful for. Whether it is someone who's been with us a long time or it is someone who's been with us a short time or it is someone who's really stuck it out with us or, or someone who's just come into our life who, who has obviously shown they care. Where is the credit to the sources? Not that those people that are helping you and me and that are loving you and me uh, or that live with us or, or that have been there for us or currently there for us, not that they're doing it for that reason. If they are, then that is an improper motive. But they're just doing it because they either love us or have loved us or, or they're in our life. We know who those people are. We know the sources that are in our lives. 
Why is it so hard for us to give credit? Why is it so hard to say thanks? Because we know, but we just won't do it. But a thankful person knows, recognizes where the proper source is, and then goes and says thanks. And then goes and live like they're thankful. So it's not only a one-time thing that I just say thanks this one time. Hey, thanks, thanks. Appreciate it, appreciate it. But it is a lifestyle of thankfulness where the next time we encounter it and the next time we see it and the next time we recognize it and the next time we know, we say thanks. The next time and every time. So Jesus recognizes this in this man, the humility, the unafraid, the credit to the proper source, glory to God, the fact that he opened his mouth and actually said thank you. And he recognizes that he knew and that he did what he knew was right. And in verse 19 he says, stand up. You can get off the floor in your posture of humility You can get off the floor in your worship and your praise and the credit of the proper source. You can get off the floor now. Your faith has healed you. So a thankful person is faithful. A thankful person realizes all of the things that he has or she has. A thankful person realizes that the the proper source of their goodness and blessing and hope in their life is God who is greater than and more transcendent and more eternal and his character is beyond us in a way we can't even comprehend, that person is thankful for that. That person also then remains faithful to the right source. What is this teaching us? This is it. This is what it's teaching us. It doesn't teach us that salvation comes from your attitude. It's not teaching us that salvation comes from having a grateful attitude or or being grateful in your heart once or even a couple of times or or for a big thing that has happened in your life. It's not teaching us that. It's teaching explicitly through this narrative and through this story of Jesus' healing and through this story of, uh, of hope in Christ and the heart that it gives us. It's saying that saving faith Faith that brings salvation to us that comes from God, the right source, in Christ, results in a thankful heart. So true saving faith in Jesus makes us thankful. The thankful attitude doesn't save us. Knowing that we have been saved makes us thankful. It is a counterintuitive and an ugly thing when people who have been saved and rescued don't say thanks. It is a weird, it is a bizarre, it is an ugly and a damaging thing when people that have been saved and rescued and changed and loved like nobody else could be loved, shown grace like we don't deserve, given compassion and mercy like we don't deserve either 
It is an ugly and a twisted and a weird and a bizarre and an awkward and a damaging thing when that person can't say thanks. And when that person has no gratitude. Because when people are saved and they're rescued and they know it and they know the source of their rescue, they thank him or her. And then they live in an understood lifestyle of thanks. And an understood lifestyle of thanks is humble, is unafraid, knows where the proper source is, expresses that thanks, even though you think that person assumes that you are, and that person, that thankful person, remains faithful and keeps going. When I was a little boy, growing up in church, I was mesmerized by speakers and people that would come to my dad's church and share missionaries and guest pastors and, and, and singers. I thought they were, they were my celebrities, you know. I thought they were so cool and so awesome, and, and I thought it was really cool that I was, even in my lost state, I thought it was so cool that, that we could go to lunch with them and my dad could take them to lunch and and, and I could sit there and kind of see them. But I remember this, this one particular man that came to our church and spoke in my dad's church when I was little. Uh, he had no legs. And he was in a wheelchair, and, and he actually got up to speak that day in his wheelchair in full-dress Marine uniform. And that man's name was Tim Lee. And years later, I got to have the coolest opportunity to speak at an event at Camp Lejeune in front of a bunch of Marines and share the gospel with Tim Lee, which was like, I mean, I was like a fanboy that day. Tim Lee's legs were blown off in Vietnam. He stepped on a landmine and in the rush of his platoon leaving that area because they realized it was filled with detonation from the enemy, he was laying over in the high weeds, bleeding out. And he was slipping in and out of consciousness. And in fact, he finally lost consciousness, but somebody pulled him to safety. Somebody pulled him out of there. Uh, this wasn't a scene from, kind of like a scene from Forrest Gump. He, he legitimately, Pulls him out, gets him to proper care. They get him air back to a hospital, and they save his life. He never knows who saved him. So for years, they never told him. They didn't know. Even through the, he would, he would speak and talk about the chain of command. He would go up through the chain of command, and they, they just couldn't figure out who pulled him to safety. So Tim Lee recovers from his injuries. He, his life is saved. He comes back to the United States, and then he experiences spiritual salvation. He, he comes to know Jesus, and then God gives him this incredible undertaking of going around the world, telling his story, and sharing the gospel of Christ, the one who ultimately provides rescue and salvation for us. And he would always tell the story about his legs and 
what happened to him. And and each time he would tell the story, he would say, and I still just do not know who this man is, but he's out there and I'm grateful. I'm thankful for him. And most importantly, I'm thankful to God because that was God's intervention in my life. He's the proper source of which I say thanks. But man, I'd really love to meet that guy and say thanks to him too for my life. And in every place this man would go around the world and speak, he would give credit to God and he would give credit to this unknown man. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, there may be a video on YouTube. I'm not sure. But if you have some time this afternoon and you're in a place where you don't mind crying, he was speaking in a church And he was sharing his testimony and the pastor of that church and some of the leaders there had found the man who pulled him to safety. And while he was preaching on stage, like everybody in the church got up and they started playing, I think, the Marine Corps anthem. And out walked this man down the aisle toward him who had saved his life. And he gets, he pushes himself out of his chair onto his nubs. And they embrace. And I I don't think they let go for like 10 minutes. It was the most powerful, most poignant thing anyone could witness. And you know what's powerful and poignant about it is you know, when, when we've been saved, when we've been rescued, it makes absolutely no sense not to say thanks to the person who drug us to safety. It's nuts. And for people who follow Jesus and say you love him, who believe that he rescued you from death, it is insane. Not to thank that particular person. And then it's also insane not to live our lives in thanks. This is the state of where we're at. I pray that there is never a moment and there is never a time where people that have been drugged to safety, we are imperfect and we fail. But I pray that it is not our lifestyle and it is not something we do often, that it is more rare for us not to say thanks, not for us to live with humility and thankfulness to God and to be able to express it to those around us and in the world. I pray that that's way, way, way more rare than what we see. And I pray that the thankfulness and the goodness and the grace and the gratitude of a thankful heart comes shining out of us way more often than it does not. Why? Because thankful people return, get on their knees, and just look up and say thanks. It's not that attitude that saves us. It's the faith in the right source that saves us. And when we are saved, we are thankful. I pray that will be true for us. Let's stand up. We're going to work.